Good morning, and welcome to New York Sports and Beyond here on 98.7 ESPN, where our goal every week is to entertain, enlighten, and expose you to information that can lead to positive change in your life. I'm Larry Hardesty. You know, over the years, we've talked a lot about the great work of the Bowery Mission to help those who have fallen on hard times, whether it's needing assistance in food, shelter, clothing, and even medical issues. Well, this morning, we'll hear from a current and former employee of the Bowery Mission who are trying to raise money so that the underserved will continue to receive assistance and it's how they're doing it that I think you'll find real interesting. So please have a pencil, pen, piece of paper handy, or maybe a smartphone, iPad, or whatever you use to take down some valuable information you will hear this morning. And thank you for making us a part of your day, whether you're preparing for an early run or perhaps a sunrise service. We'll begin this edition of New York Sports and Beyond after this timeout. Welcome back to New York Sports and Beyond on 98.7 ESPN. I'm Larry Hardesty. Well, Chuck Mons recently retired from the Bowery Mission at the age of 62 after serving New Yorkers experiencing homelessness during the COVID pandemic. He began a cross-country bicycling trip called Bike for the Mission from the Union Rescue Mission in Los Angeles last Saturday, the 5th, and ending at the Bowery Mission on the Lower East Side of Manhattan on July 31st. Join me in saying good morning to Chuck Mons, who's on the road in Vegas, and to James Winans, who's here in the Big Apple. Gentlemen, good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Larry. Chuck, I'm going to start with you. What's the weather like in Vegas today? Normally when I'm out there, it's like 108, 110, 112. It is delightful. It is like, it's actually literally like spring in Pennsylvania or New York City. It's in the uh, 80s, and because there's no humidity, it feels very comfortable. There's a nice breeze. So it's been um, amazing the three days that I've been in Vegas. So it's great cycling weather for you, huh? It has been. Getting to Vegas was in the 90s, and I learned to, uh, to wear long sleeves, which, you know, you see people working outside. Uh, a lot of the contractors will, will be wearing long sleeves and long pants because uh, it keeps you from losing as much moisture. It, and when it gets damp, it uh, provides coolness. And it keeps you from having to slather on uh, suntan lotion the whole time. So I've gone long. <laughs> and a smart thing to do. James, what? give me the genesis of the idea of Bike for the Mission, about going um, with Chuck Mons riding cross-country in the multitude of states that he'll tell us about and, you know, raising money for the Bowery Mission. Well, Chuck joined the team at the Bowery Mission over two years ago and was a relatively new employee when he uh, gave me a call and stopped by the office and said, hey, I've got this vision. Um, I want to ride a bicycle all the way across the country and raise money for the Bowery Mission. I believe so much in what we're doing on the ground every single day um, and would love to do that. And little did we know that um, in the two years that transpired since then, that we would be responding to a global pandemic and that we would be um, uh, dealing with the effects of that pandemic on New Yorkers who don't have a home to stay at home, who don't have the luxuries of uh, avoiding the virus in the ways that many of us do. And um, and Chuck was right on the front lines of that work, um, serving day in and day out at the Bowery Mission, on the Bowery, up until the point where uh, Chuck uh, retired from the Bowery Mission. But clearly, Chuck is not finished, and that's why he's out there on the road. See, uh, James, he understands that when you're a member of the Bowery Mission, you never really retire. You're, you're always part of the Bowery Mission. Right, Chuck? That's absolutely right. They had a gala yesterday, and I was uh, viewing it, and uh, 
Gail King was the hostess, and um, it was so good to see my friends, my my coworkers, and I I felt uh, joy to see them, but I also felt a little some longing uh, and missing of of that work uh, on the ground there. But it was good to see them and to see that opportunity for people of uh, the re- region down there to uh, tune in and and um, donate for their twenty. I think it was the twenty second annual gala, right, James? That's right. The 22nd annual gala last night is the first time we've done it online. Wow, that's great. That's great. Chuck, talking about his uh, cycling friend, and he cycled from Philadelphia to San Francisco to raise money for a hunger charity, and they raised 7000 for that ride. So I guess that was the genesis for him to play it forward and say, hey, you know, we can do a similar thing for the Bowery Mission. Right, James? That's right. I said, you know, Chuck, how do you know you can do this? He said, well, I've done it before. Uh, he said, I was 18 and now I'm 60, but, um, uh, I've done it before and, uh, we raised $7,000. Now I'm 60. Maybe we can raise a hundred thousand dollars for the Bowery mission. Chuck, obviously seeing that play forward, take me through the experiences that you saw recently with homelessness even more. So, I mean, you've seen a lot of it at the Bowery mission working there and volunteering as you have over the years, but during the COVID pandemic, it must took it to another level. Yes. Uh, it did. Uh, the numbers went up uh, in terms of the uh, meals that we provided. Um, went from approximately maybe 250 uh, on a given day, on a given meal, to uh, 450, 500 people on a given meal. So, James, why don't you jump in and, and talk about some of the changes here uh, that you saw with the COVID-19 pandemic and the stress that it put on your staff and your finances at the Bowery Mission. Yes, Larry, we've, we've talked before about how everything changed in March of 2020. You know, we were we were all being told to stay at home, uh, and that's how we were going to beat the virus. And yet there were thousands of New Yorkers who could not stay at home. In fact, they had no home at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and they weren't the only ones being impacted at that point uh, by, by the situation, of course. Um, and we started to see new people on our meal lines. Uh, people who had just lost their employment in the services industry and that sort of thing. And, and, and they were trying to figure out how to make ends meet. And somebody was directing them to the Bowery Mission. And so what Chuck was describing there was going from opening our doors and welcoming 250 people indoors to now having a socially distanced line down the block uh, with sometimes 500 people on that line waiting for a to-go meal. Um, and so it was, it was Chuck and his colleagues who were out there on the sidewalk every single day, um, reassuring people, greeting people, uh, you know, being kind, knowing people's names, understanding people's fears, uh, but also providing the practical help that came in the form of meals, uh, that came in the form of showers that we began to offer, uh, in a, in a van that was parked on the, on the sidewalk there uh, with, a, with a private shower unit inside um, came in the form of, of clothing and, um, and, and then also offering uh, indoor shelter and indoor residential programs where uh, people could, could come in off the streets uh, and begin to get lives back on track. That's the voice of James Winans. He's the president and CEO of the Bowery Mission. And Chuck Montz, who's on the road in Vegas. And, you know, the, the, the mountains and the caverns are challenging our cell phone service. But we'll get back to Chuck in a minute as he's biking across the country to raise money for the Bowery Mission. You're listening to New York Sports and Beyond here on 98.7 ESPN. I'm Larry Hardesty. Chuck, let's talk a little bit now about 
the idea of you leaving the Union Rescue Mission in Los Angeles last Saturday, the 5th, you're in Vegas. Where are some of the other places you're going to, and what has been the response so far? Well, uh, from the Union Rescue Mission uh, that was very gracious to us and even donated, actually, to the Valley Mission because we're sort of partners in, in shelf, being shelters on, on opposite ends of the country. So that connection was, uh, was um, uh, very, very uh, fortunate for us. Um, and there have come to Vegas, and then now we took a day off. My friends joined me, two buddies from college, have joined me, and they're going to bike the Rockies with me. And Ooh. they're not bikers. Wow. Um, but they're biking uh, for the next uh, eight days, and we're going to be going south of Salt Lake through the Rockies. And the last day is uh, 102 miles to uh, Green River, Utah. And it's mostly downhill. So they wanted not to leave until they got some coasting in. Um, and then they'll be heading to, and then I'll take off and the rest of the trip pretty much solo. My wife is joining me. She's driving the car as an emergency vehicle mm-hmm. as necessary. Hopefully you won't need that. So from Utah, we go down to Denver and then through Nebraska, Lincoln, Omaha, um, Iowa, Des Moines, Chicago, Fort Wayne, Indiana, um, Canton, Canton, ESPN, Sports, mm-hmm. uh, Ohio, Pittsburgh, and then Pennsylvania is my home state. I've spent most of my life, most of my ministry in Pennsylvania. So I, I have built in some days off to spend in communities where I've lived and or served. And the last week of the trip, which is the last week of July, um, hopefully I can spend those days off and that we haven't used them because of a mishap of some sort. So through all of Pennsylvania, we go Pittsburgh, Harrisburg, Lancaster, because the Bowery Mission has some very big supporters in Lancaster area. A lot of Amish support, uh, sending busloads of people before COVID uh, to sing, lead worship, and serve at the Bowery Mission like once a month. And so I'm going to spend a day in Lancaster to celebrate with them and thank them for the support. And then um, the last stop is going to be a little town my dad served as a pastor called Stockton, New Jersey. Uh, outside of New Hope, New Jersey, and the last day will be from Stockton to New York City, which is going to be, um, I just, you know, you can't really look ahead, but right. because it's one day at a time on this kind of thing. But uh, I do hope we get there, and I look forward to that last day because there's, there's a possibility that people from the city will join us uh, en route as well as family members for that last ride-in day. My, my son who goes to Westchester U um, is going to be one of those people, my brother-in-law, and hopefully some, some supporters of the Valley Mission will come out and join us for some part of that last day's ride. Coming up, how do you stay focused on the road as a cyclist cross-country on highways battling tractor-trailers, buses, and oversized vehicles? Well, we'll find out from Chuck Montz and also James Winans as we continue to talk about Bike for the Mission. This is New York Sports and Beyond on 98.7 ESPN. Thanks for stopping by New York Sports and Beyond on 98.7 ESPN. I'm Larry Hardesty. Let's continue my conversation with Chuck Montz and President and CEO of the Bowery Mission, James Winans, on Bike for the Mission. Chuck, what was the preparation like to to embark on a cross-country cycling trip? That, that's got to be as much physical as mental, Yes. For a 61-year-old, um, 
what it has required is that for the, pretty much the last seven or eight years, and I have of the bike trip. By the way, I'm at a station before we go east into the desert. From, so the sound reception is the last place I can call you. Apologize for, for some of the sounds and maybe cutouts. But um, So what I've been doing for the last seven, eight years is just working really hard uh, to stay fit, um, to be in good shape. Uh, the last five months working at the Bowery, I actually, I lived in Long Island, uh, east of Queens, 16 miles away from the Bowery. The last five months, from August until my last day, January 15th, I bicycled into work at 4.30 in the morning, mm. worked my shift, and biked home. Um, so for five months, I, I got 32 miles in a day during the week, which was really helpful. Um, so I just, it's a combination of working out at the YMCA, uh, biking into work, uh, for five months and then getting into Pennsylvania during winter. I, uh, again, we have a fitness center and I just pushed really hard on the rowing machine and the, uh, the bike. Well, listen, Chuck, for, because of what you're doing, you don't have to apologize. We will take, uh, you know, we, we understand what's going on with the cell reception and everything. We're happy that you're talking to us. And listen, if you can cycle back and forth in New York City, you'll be fine. You have no trouble going across country, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I have to tell you that um, many days coming into work, it was there was no traffic, obviously, at 430. Uh, going home was was uh, a daily adventure and, and, and very risky um, until my son is 25 and he's a racer in, in Westchester. He's on a, a bike club team. Um, he said, dad, um, you might want to slow down. <laughs> in other words, mm. my son was giving me advice about safety, biking safety. Yeah. So if you slow down, you have more time to react to cars that are doing dangerous things. And, and he was absolutely right. So, uh, it took my son to speak sense to me to slow down a little bit. And therefore, if someone opened a door, for instance, which is very yeah. dangerous when you're biking along the street, yeah. um, or turned into a parking space, obviously, if you're going a few miles an hour slower, you have that much more time to, to react. So, yeah, it was it was risky. I've been biking on the road, though, since I was a teenager. So you just have to trust that those cars and trucks that are coming from behind um, see you. Uh, in this day and age, you know, when I biked the country in the first, uh, in 78, I had a terry cloth, terry cloth was big in the 70s. I had a terry cloth hat. Uh, of course, now I have a helmet and, and lights that are flashing, blinking. So it's, in a sense, it's, it's actually safer than it was when I did it in 78. Now, Chuck, were you, when you cycle, do you cycle all night? Do you, do you build in, uh, opportunities where you rest and how do you balance that with trying to end up on time where you want to get back to the Bowery mission at the end of next month? Yeah. Um, basically we, um, haven't gotten off early because there's a lot of, there's just uh, a lot of texting and emailing to do because I'm still in the process of connecting with churches. I'm connecting with, uh, the Bowery mission. I'm connecting with, there's just a lot of work to be done. So in the morning, uh, we don't get off. We really, today was with my buddies. We tried to get off in the coolness of the morning, and, and we, we only got off at 
when we did it in 78, we were like leaving at 5.30 in the morning. Um, but I'm older and I like my breakfast and coffee. So we get off 7.30, 8.30, and I've been fortunate enough to finish the bike rides, which have been averaging, I had three 80-mile days in a row out of uh, Los Angeles. That was, that was grueling. It was in the Mojave Desert. Um, uh, hydration was, a ch- was an issue, of course. We all knew about that. But uh, it was amazing how much I was drinking, and it was not leaving my, it was leaving my body so much that I just kept drinking, and, but there was you know, nothing to do about just but, but drinking. But, um, so we leave, you know, we're going to be leaving 7-ish, and uh, we'll be getting done by 4.30, um, and then one interesting thing is, uh, we thought we were going to use an RV to make our lives, my wife and I, uh, simpler because we would have our beds with us, but RVs because of COVID, the price, the rental sky high. So it took me, uh, six weeks, maybe eight weeks of calling churches every night along the way, 50, there are 50, 50 stops. Um, to get a church, ask a church uh, to to graciously, generously provide uh, me a place to sleep for the night. We have cots in our car, um, and so we're sleeping in churches on cots for most of the trip. Uh, there are towns here in the western part in LA, uh, California, and Utah that don't have towns with churches. Wow. <laughs> They're so small they don't have any churches. So. We've been forced to be in hotels um, these first two weeks. But afterwards, once we start getting into Colorado, we will be in churches on cots uh, for most of the way. And they're very generous. When you're doing something like this, you've got to swallow your pride and open yourself up to receive. So working in the Bowery, it's about service, uh, radical hospitality, which is true. That's part, of, that's part of our journey. But on the bike journey you actually have to be on the receiving end. And so you have to just allow people to be generous and gracious, which we do. Like we just stayed at a church that put us up for three nights. Mm. They got uh, special beds for us, just for us. They gave us a building and they provided portable AC units. I mean, they spent hundreds of dollars on us. And you simply have to say humbly, graciously, thank you. You leave them a note, and you just got to accept that the churches, this is what it means to be part of um, the body. And um, so that's what I'm relying on, the whole country. We did it in 78, had amazing experiences of hospitality from people, whether they knew us beforehand or whether they had heard about us ahead of time. And that's what we've opened ourselves up to this time. By not having an RV, you open, like, for instance, tonight, we're stopping in a very small town called Overton. And they are welcoming us. They're getting a newspaper article, and they're providing a meal. And um, it's a little town in Utah, uh, California, and it's, um, it's just a wonderful thing. It's just a wonderful thing. And, James, when you hear stories like this, obviously it just it, – it, it, brings together everything that you're doing with your staff at the Bowery Mission here in New York and your sister and brother organizations across the country. As people of faith, this is what it's all about, right, James? 
You know, Larry, God, we believe God has always provided for the Bowery Mission. We're nearly 150 years old, and um, it, it is just a story of many, many small gifts adding up that, um, that folks like Chuck um, have a particular gift, a particular calling, a particular passion, a particular idea, um, and they bring it to the Bowery Mission and say, I'd like to do this. And then many, many people will come around Chuck. And, you know, I just want to encourage your listeners, Larry, um, you know, our website is Bowery.org, um, B-O-W-E-R-Y.org. And um, uh, if somebody wants to go on and make a gift of any size, go ahead and put it in honor of uh, Chuck, uh, Chuck Mons, if you can remember that name, or Chuck the Bicyclist. Uh, we will make sure that it gets added to Chuck's fundraising page. If you want to find Chuck's fundraising page, uh, I'll, I'll, if you want to go to Google, uh, you can put in the words Bowery, Chuck, and Biking, uh, and you'll go right to Chuck's fundraising page. You can make a gift right there. Um, Chuck is trying to raise $100,000 for the Bowery mission. He's already raised $20,000 just from getting from Los Angeles to Las Vegas. Um, he's got many, many miles ahead of him, 3,000 miles in total. Um, and he will be buoyed by uh, the generosity of, of folks who give as he rides across the country. Um, and those gifts are going to go directly to help people without homes in New York City. Uh, but this is, uh, this is, a, this is a, a ride with a cause. Um, and, and as we come out of the acute phase of this pandemic, the impacts of this pandemic, the economic impacts of this pandemic are going to hit those who are the most marginalized the hardest. And so um, so we, we actually see a long road ahead of us as well at the Bowery Mission, many miles to travel, and we are 100% supported by private donations. Um, and and so, so we need your support. Chuck needs your support um, to be encouraged as he rides across the country. And, uh, and so we just encourage people to give at Bowery dot org b-o-w-e-r-y dot org please give that gift in honor of chuck so that we can tell chuck uh that that gift is in his honor and for those of you who just tuned in you're listening to new york sports and beyond here on 987 espn i'm larry hardesty my guest this morning chuck Mons, who's uh, on the road uh traveling cross country trying to bike for the mission raising a hundred thousand for the bowery mission here in new york and james Winans, the voice you just heard is the president and ceo when we return we'll go back on the road with chuck Mons, who's in las vegas and james Winans will continue our conversation on the bike for the mission on 987 ESPN New York. You're listening to New York Sports and Beyond on 98.7 ESPN. Let's conclude our chat with Chuck Montz and President and CEO of the Bowery Mission, James Winans. Chuck, I see you've got some folks that you invite others to participate on your fundraiser. They don't have to, they don't have to cycle, but they can do some other things too, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, you can go to my webpage and people can not only donate, but they can actually become a team member if, if that's what you're referring to. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, they, can, they can just join my team. And they don't have to do anything strenuous. They they just need to uh, get out of bed <laughs> and basically join my team. And then uh, they will. They have circles of friends, family, coworkers, church members that I can't possibly reach. And so all they need to do is uh, move in some manner, be on my team, and then invite all their circles to support them. And but that'll go to our overall hundred thousand dollar goal. Now, Chuck, how, what, what, 
What has been the role of your wife in supporting you in all this? You mentioned she's driving, she's in the, the emergency car and everything. What, what has been her role? How supportive has she been? And what has that meant to you? Well, I couldn't do it if she didn't want to. Uh, because um, this is a big undertaking and she had to leave, you know, both of us have had to leave income uh, jobs, uh, even part-time uh, jobs. She was a per diem nurse after we left New York City. So uh, this is a big thing to, to leave income. And, um, and she's been very gracious. Um, and she uh, has provided, um, obviously, support in terms of helping with meals. Uh, but the biggest thing I have to tell you is that um, uh, I am not one of some. I'm not always gifted with patience or, or gentleness. And so... When I'm exhausted and then things start going wrong, like they did a few days ago, we went into a town called Prim, um, and there were no rest. There were no eateries. There was nothing to eat. They were all closed. Um, and so I had my first Big Mac in 30 years. And, and uh, it just wasn't what, you, what, what I needed after biking 90 miles. Um, I didn't need that kind of uh, nutrition or lack of nutrition. So anyhow, uh, so I was um, a little on the stressed outside. I was exhausted. And my wife is exceedingly gracious. I can't, I can't even describe how gracious, patient, understanding. And so what she's doing the most, she's tolerating me. <laughs> and, um, and, and so she's just the kindest, most giving, thoughtful person. One benefit for her is that if there's no emergency, which there has not been yet, she's able to take little side day trips. She's not following me on the bike, behind the bike. She's taking, as long as everything's fine, she's taking day trips and is taking wonderful hikes. She's seeing wonderful uh, scenic uh, spots of the country. And so it's not just giving, fortunately, uh, because that would be boring going behind a, a 15 mile an hour biker. Um, but uh, so, yeah, she's, she's the biggest gift of my life and uh, example of God's grace that I've experienced in addition to my parents. That's great news, Chuck. That, that's great. Listen, sometimes it, it, we hear stories like you and um, we, we look at our own marriages and we realize that maybe we need to step up our game. <laughs> Chuck, because we are all very lucky and fortunate to have the wives that we have. Amen. <laughs> James, let's talk a little bit about, and you and I, we have this chat all the time, and it's normally around the winter time. It's normally around Thanksgiving. But James, the unfortunate thing about the challenges that those who are down on their luck face, be it lack of shelter, be it lack of food, lack of clothing, lack of medical attention, is that it's not just one time of the year, it's it's year round. And in the summer months where you might think it wouldn't be as you know, you you wouldn't be as busy because it's not as cold and we're not talking about outerwear and socks and coats and sweaters and hats and stuff like gloves. They still have needs even in the summertime. Yes, that's absolutely right. And uh, and I, I do think that that many many people will think about places like the Bowery Mission in the winter when they see someone shivering in the cold without a coat and say, "What can I do to help?" This is this is uh, uh, just just so dangerous. Uh, how some folks uh, are, are surviving, uh, but 
but but it's it's somehow less visible um, to see uh, somebody without a home in the summer and to think about the dangers of dehydration, the dangers of heat stroke, and the the um, the, the dangers that that can have on somebody's overall health. Uh, summer can be a very dangerous time uh, for someone experiencing homelessness as well, and of course. Uh, all year long, the the dangers of um, uh, addiction or or mental health or uh, or, or unemployment or a lack of a home, uh, those things don't have seasons, right? Um, and so so it's true. Giving to the Bowery Mission goes down in the summer. People are 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 on vacation. They're thinking about family time and vacation time and these things. Um, but the needs are no less acute for the Bowery Mission, and so we so appreciate folks who do not forget us in the summertime. Um, and just going back to the point that Chuck was making there about his wife, Deb, and her care, um, you know, the, the workers at the Bowery Mission are essential workers. We, we now have a term for it because of this pandemic, essential workers. Um, but behind every essential worker is a family who is, saying, you know, we bless you to go and do that essential work, right? And, and, and so many of our staff have put their, put their health, their safety, their, their comfort on the line uh, in the past year plus during this pandemic to care for others. Um, and so it's, it, is a, it is a significant sacrifice, and it, it's not just the one worker uh, who is doing it, but it's, it's, it's whole families are participating in the work of the mission and so so that's why i think it's so essential that we we support chuck and encourage him across the country by by cheering him on and giving generously and um uh and, and just so important it definitely is it really is chuck what what was the preparation like for your bike how many extra tires do you bring how many uh do you have another bike in case you know something happens what, what what's what's the preparation for a, a cross the country trip like this well first of all i didn't have a bike that was going to do the job so our our partner union rescue mission uh and our and our co-sponsor is um got had a friend the uh ceo of the union rescue mission andy bales has a friend who owns a uh a trek shop pasadena cyclery and uh, they provided two new bikes um, because I didn't have a bike. And uh, my, my buddy uh, wasn't going to fly his bike west. So, um, so the bikes are, are well-equipped, and we don't take extra tires, uh, but we do take extra tubes. Mm-hmm. And because of the pandemic, uh, there are certain items, uh, as you have heard, you know, cars and different items. Well, tire tubes are uh, at a low supply right now. So we do have four, four of those. Um, we have a patch kit if we need to. Um, and then we go to a big city and, and try to get new supplies if we need them. But um, I am hoping for the best. And I, one of the things when you bike is you, uh, you watch very, very carefully on the highway mm. for every stone, which can actually puncture, puncture um, glass, Tired, you know, the tires that rip off uh, trucks, you really, really have to be careful and watch. It's not just looking at the scenery. So the, the bikes that were, were provided for us, um, and we're very grateful for them. Um, and we have tools with us. They weigh us down a little bit. 
Mm-hmm. But um, you got to you got to take them. Yep, you definitely do. You got to be prepared. Chuck, what's the what, what's the game plan as far as how far over do you ride? I mean, I, I, you think of cross country, you think of tractor trailers, you think of buses, you think of oversized vehicles. I mean, just the speed alone can can alter you. How how do you how do you focus? How do you how do you stay safe? Yeah. Well, in the in the desertous region which I went through, I, I talked to the traffic patrol. I you remember Chips uh, back in the seventies, uh, yeah. but I talked to the highway patrol, and they said whenever there's not a secondary paved road, you can be on the interstate. Well, that's good and bad. The, <laughs> the bad is, of course, what you mentioned, which is the the high amount of traffic. However, truckers will give you an entire lane. They will they will go into the middle lane out of three. Um, they're very, very mindful. It's the cars that assume that they, they can miss you by three or four feet uh, that are a little bit more uh, worrisome. But overall, uh, I bike. you can't bike too far to the right, by the way, on that pull-off lane because it's covered with glass, yeah. nails, rocks. So, you, so I actually... And, probably three or four feet off that white line on the right. Um, and I have to, you know, I, I've done this for decades now. I'm just trusting that there's no one that's going to, at the time that I'm there, swerve, obviously. And, and for some reason, lose concentration of the driver. You just got to trust that. And I hope to make it to New York City uh, in one piece. And that's going to rely upon uh, all those drivers that see me. And um, know enough to uh, to play it safe. How how lonely is it for you when you're cycling alone? What do you do to maintain your focus, not drift, uh, which is you know um, very important. Yeah, can you hear me? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, that's hard. Uh, mentally, you got to find tricks because at 61, I have pains and aches that I did not have at 18. Yeah. Um, of course, the seat, sitting down on your seat, uh, was painful in 78. That doesn't change. Uh, but, uh, my feet, my ankles, my neck, my shoulders, my back, yeah. all have more pain than they did uh, the first time around. Um, so, so you have to take your mind not only off the um, solitary nature of biking alone, but you have to somehow take your mind off pain, which is significant at times. There were two days ago when I was going through the um, Mojave Desert, when when the pain of my feet um, made me, I was actually exclaiming aloud to all the prairie dogs, uh, my pain. Um, it was just, it was just happened to be, and, and what you, you know, you sit down and then your butt's causing all the pain. So yeah. what you do, what I do is, um, obviously sing you think about uh, I have a Facebook page that I'm thinking about things that I can post for, uh, of interest for people by the way it's uh, biking for the Bowery Mission if anybody wants to follow along mm-hmm. uh, there are some fun pictures and posts um, but what I interestingly what I do is I've always been a numbers person and so I literally count the revolutions of my pedals by going around and how many pedals it takes to bike a mile. I don't, it sounds crazy, but when you count like that, it, it takes your mind off 
the pain, and the, so you're only focusing on one mile. And it's about, if you're going quicker, it's 100 pedals. If you're going slower up a hill, it's 150. But it takes your mind off the fact that you're having to go 80 miles, and you're just worried, you're just focusing on one mile at a time. So that's how I get through uh, some of the challenging physical, mental aspects of, of biking in the desert. It's amazing. It's amazing what you're doing. And uh, Chuck, listen, for all of us here, um, thank you. Because what you're doing is bringing awareness to the help that the underserved need across this country. What you're doing is bringing awareness that uh, even though the challenges financially that the COVID-19 pandemic has brought on some of the major contributors that have helped the Bowery Mission and missions like the Bowery over the years may not be able to do what they've done in the past. And so it is important, uh, James, as I turn to you to give all the information out again for folks to help donate money to to make sure that Chuck realizes his goal of 100,000 and that's just minimum like we kind of want to go over like like we said 100,000 but we kind of want to go a little bit over just in case we are we're off to a good pace with uh Chuck's raised $20,000 between Los Angeles and Las Vegas um and many miles to go our goal is $100,000 you know if Chuck can exceed that Double that, triple that. We we will welcome that, and uh, and I know Chuck will be uh, euphoric about it um, because Chuck is doing this because he cares. He cares about New Yorkers who don't have homes, um, who need need this help. And so, uh, so the Bowery Missions website is bowery.org. That's b-o-w-e-r-y dot org. Um, simplest way might be to go on there uh, and and make a gift in honor of Chuck. Chuck Mons, Chuck the Bicyclist, any of those things, we will make sure that it gets added to Chuck's fundraising page. If you do want to find Chuck's fundraising page directly, go to your friend Google, uh, type in Bowery and Chuck and biking, and you will find uh, Chuck's page directly. You can give to him directly, see a photo of him, read his story, uh, even more in-depth than you've heard in this interview. Um, But Bowery.org is the place to give. Chuck? My friend, it was great meeting you. Keep up the great work. Godspeed with you on the roads. And uh, let's touch base after you hit the Bowery on July 31st. Amen. And thank you for your time and interest and and encouragement and support. Thank you very much. My pleasure, Chuck. And James, as always, you know, whenever you need to uh, inform our audience of the things that you're doing at the Bowery, you know the door is always open to you. Keep up the great work. And uh, we'll talk after July, July 31st just to see how, how we, we want to hear how great the uh, the cycling was, the bike for the mission, and, uh, you know, what else we can do to start gearing up because we'll be thinking, as you have to do, we'll be thinking about winter and the push that you have there as well. Thanksgiving is coming soon, Larry, and uh, I really do appreciate you saying that your door is always open to the Bowery Mission uh, because the Bowery Mission's doors are always open to people experiencing homelessness in New York, and we couldn't do it without the support of you and the support of your listeners, and so we're grateful for this time. That wraps up this edition of New York Sports and Beyond on 98.7 ESPN. We thank you for listening. We'll join you this evening during the week on ESPN New York Tonight with Gordon Damer and right back here next Sunday morning on New York Sports and Beyond. For my all-world producer, Ray Santiago, and special thanks to the great Ray Dinahan, I'm Larry Hardesty. The conversation continues right here, right now on 98.7 ESPN New York.